You're listening to Hope for Today Church Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining in this virtual space. We believe that as you listen, Jesus will minister to you right where you are. So open up your mind and your heart to what the Word would say to you today. Thank you for joining us. And remember, Jesus is our hope for today. Uh, We're looking at Galatians. So if you have your Bibles with you or maybe you're turning virtually or what have you, I invite you to turn there. Um, We are going to begin this journey in Galatians. We're going to be in Galatians uh, for the next little while, especially considering the time today as well. Galatians is a powerful letter uh, to the churches throughout the region of Galatia. There are many churches that Paul has established between his second and third uh, missionary journey. And we're going to see how in this letter in which he says in Galatians 4 verse 20, I would like to be with you right now and change my tone of voice because I don't know what to do about you. This, this letter is full of a lot of, of instruction and exhortation and, and seasoned with encouragement, but we're going to see the tone of Paul's humility and, and boldness and the way he digs into the message and encouraging people to keep on in their faith. He first has to start with defending his apostleship, who he is, and the message that he bears And so through these passages, I believe, which is so important, that we will glean next steps for our own Christian lives. I've been enriched in preparing for this message and reading through the letter to Galatians. And what I can appreciate first and foremost about the Apostle Paul and what he's communicating the people of Galatia, which reaches forward to us today, is to continue to be unwavering and committed to the true living gospel exhibited by true living faith. Be committed to the true living gospel exhibited by true living faith in Jesus. Because what does that mean? Faith does not exist on its own. It's exhibited through works of love for God and for each other because of the gospel. And so here we go right in Galatians 1. He says, Paul, an apostle, not from men or by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers who are with me, To the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Down to verse 11. For I want you to know, brothers and sisters, the gospel I preached is not of human origin, for I did not receive it from a human source. And it was not, and nor was I taught it, but it came by a revelation of Jesus Christ. In verse 15, but when God, who from my mother's womb set me apart and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me so that I could preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone. I did not go up to Jerusalem to those who had become apostles before me. Instead, I went to Arabia and came back to Damascus. You know what I can appreciate when uh, um, my father-in-law, Ron, I almost forgot your name there, Ron, um, when he was leading us in the song, You Are the One, you know, all your thoughts towards me are holy. 
You thought of me and predestined all the days of my life before I was born. And this right away spoke to the harmony of this statement that Paul makes. Before I was ever born, God had me in mind. My steps were ordained to the Lord. He had plans for Paul. Plans for Paul. And right here at the beginning of this letter, he establishes this bedrock of his faith that the gospel message that he carries went so far beyond head knowledge. This is important for us to grasp in today's day and age with credentials and letters behind names and all that stuff. It was truly a living faith for Paul. Yeah, he was discerned. Yeah, he was educated, but it was both spirit and truth. It wasn't just this head retained aspect. He had this revelation as a result of the encounter with Jesus Christ. And in his tone, it's as if he's saying to you today, this revelation, you're not taking from me. It's not changing. For I want you to know, brothers and sisters, again in verse 11, the gospel preached by me is not of human origin. For I did not receive it from a human source. And I was not taught it, but it came by a revelation of Jesus Christ. So as you think of those words, the Apostle Paul, as if he was standing here right now, with this in mind, his introduction in many ways takes flight. My hope here this afternoon is that these letters that are written would leap off the page and speak to you here today. And so he writes in this letter, this gripping introduction that carries all kinds of significance in understanding his divine call as an apostle. And the first he asserts, this is divine origin. Make no mistakes. This is not of himself. This is divine. He's making it clear that he serves the same God who he also told the Romans will bring life to our mortal bodies by the same spirit who raised Christ from the dead. So the one in whom he's sharing this gospel about, he is true. He is living and alive. He's going to give life to you. He's speaking that this calling, this apostleship is divine. Secondly, in the introduction, you'll see this declaration to us. It underscores not only the divine nature, but the uniqueness of his call. The word apostle or in the Greek, apostolos, means sent one. Send one, one who is an authorized messenger of agent of Jesus Christ. And so you can appreciate when someone is sent to speak to you as an authorized representative, no matter what it is in life, maybe it's an insurance representative or whoever it is, when they bear the seal of the company they represent, there's a guarantee there that comes in the full first of the, by the one they've been sent by. Here, Jesus has given Paul the authority of the assignment as the sent one to the Galatians. And that what he says is to be trusted. Most assuredly, he shows in this introduction is that Paul fits this description, the criteria of an apostle, a sent one. When you look through the New Testament especially, it shows that an apostle is one who has been taught or received revelation from Jesus Christ and who has been invested with the authority to speak on his behalf. So that can also come with signs and wonders, other kinds of fruit. And so he's speaking of this encounter that he had with Jesus. And when he, when he speaks these words, you know, we have the benefit of having the full canon. We have the benefit to be, go and say, I know exactly what Paul's referring to when he says, I received it or I was taught by no one, but Jesus himself 
was revealed to me. He's speaking of his experience in Acts 9. And so let's turn to Acts 9 um, together. In Acts 9, starting in verse 1, it says, Now Saul was still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. And just for a moment, those perhaps are unaware that the Saul and Paul, the name is actually interchangeable in the languages. And so he went to the high priest and requested letters from him to the synagogue in Damascus so that if he found any men or women who belonged to the way, he might bring them as prisoners to Jerusalem. See, at this point, Paul, who was known as Saul, was an intense persecutor of the church. He was said to destroy it. And so as he's on this road, he's on a, a sort of mission. It says that a light from heaven suddenly flashed around him and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul said. I am Jesus, the one you're persecuting. Get up, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the sound, but seeing no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they took him by the hand and led him into Damascus. He was unable, unable to see for three days and did not eat or drink. And there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, here I am, Lord, he replied. Get up and go to the street called Straight. And the Lord said to him, go to the house of Judas and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, because he's praying there. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and placing his hands on him so that he may regain his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, don't miss this part. I have heard from many people about this man, how much harm he's done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has authority here from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for this man is my chosen instrument to take my name to Gentiles, kings, and Israelites. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. You know, this is important to notice that God was not unaware what was occurring. The things that Paul had given his life to. He was balancing the scales. Our God is a just God. And so here in verse 17, Ananias went and entered the house. You got to appreciate that he did it. He actually went. And it said, he placed his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road that you were traveling has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And at once, something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight, and he got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul was with the disciples in Damascus for some time, and immediately he began proclaiming Jesus in the synagogues. He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were astounded and said, isn't this the man in Jerusalem who was causing havoc for those who called on this name and came here for the purpose of taking them as prisoners to the chief priests? But Saul grew stronger and kept confounding the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. 
And so right from the introduction of Galatians, this is what Paul is referring to, a revelation of Jesus Christ, which emphasizes not only the divine nature, but the uniqueness of his call, that he was a messenger with a direct commission from the highest heavenly authority, backed up by the miraculous opening of his eyes, a life transformation that no one could deny. Paul is a changed man, and the words he's going to declare will change lives. And so here, Paul, continuing in that stride, echoes that from the very birth, God had plans for him. God had plans for him. What speaks to us today, that we can rest assured that God has a plan for each of us. You know, this is something that I take away so tremendously thankful for that, you know, maybe you sometimes consider yourself like a hidden figure. Hidden figures are important. You think about when NASA was trying to break out of Earth's orbit, let alone trying to get to the moon, there were key significant hidden figures that made that even possible. It wasn't just the astronauts. So in many ways, Ananias was so important to the ministry that would become in the life of Paul. And so us, present company included, God has his hand. He has a plan for each one of us, in many respects, we could be like Ananias having a launch party. Think about the people that you come in contact with. Ananias was throwing in a way a launch party for Paul. This is what the Lord has called you to do. Thank you, Jesus. You know, when you think about this letter, Paul didn't try to hide that he persecuted the church. You know, a lot of times when we're called to something, and I understand it because we've all been there, we want to just erase the past. But our testimony is our testimony. We don't have to be ashamed of it because God has wiped away the, the grievance of that past, but it still remains our testimony. And so he, he was sure to share this, the fact that he not only persecuted the church, as we see in the letter, but that he was set on being its destroyer. Look at this in Acts 22. In verse 19, he was questioning this about himself. This is the Apostle Paul. And he says, Lord, they know that in the synagogue after synagogue, I had those who believed in you imprisoned and beaten. And when the blood of your witness, Stephen, was being shed, I stood there giving approval and guarding those clothes of those who killed him. And yet he said to me, Go, because I will send you to the Gentiles. <laughs> when, you, when you think about how the Lord used Paul, was able to use his story and turn around evil for good, it shows the incredible authority of the highest authority in whom we serve. And so I believe that Paul is not only defending his own credentials, he's encouraging the people in Galatia, which should encourage us today, that not only is that authority that is with Paul, but that authority is with all who put their trust in Jesus Christ. You look at Ananias, not only did he throw the launch party, so to speak, he provided aid and intervention for Paul, who was in transition. That's one of the things with Hope for Today when we were establishing uh, the ministry here was um, about 
I don't know, six, seven months uh, prior to our launch, I had this dream. And I'm actually going to ask if someone can just go in the lobby there and turn these lights on. It's getting a little dark. And um, I remember very vividly uh, this dream was quite something. And there was this airport. Um, and in this airport, as you know it is, we've all flown and such, people are coming and going from place to place. And you look and see all the, the happenings in an airport. You have people of all different kinds of jobs. You have people, the ticket agents, you know, they're taking your ticket, punching tickets to different destinations they're going. You have baggage handlers and security and such. But part of the, the, the vision I believe the Holy Spirit was, show, was showing to me that hope for today would also be providing aid in a way for those who are in transition. Transition for those who would come and be, um, you know, recoup themselves and receive spiritual health, but they may not remain. They may be there for a time, but then they're going to take off. And as, as uncomfortable as that can be, you have to be okay with that because they're going where they're meant to be. And I have to tell you, here like Ananias, that is something that even this church as a young assembly has been engaged with in some way or another. You know, we've had people come and be part and grow and then, and then feel called to be elsewhere. And if it wasn't for that vision, if it wasn't for that revelation, um, you could easily be upset being like, well, why can't we just keep you here? Why, why can't you delay your flight? <laughs> we'll have launch parties for people like Ananias. We'll also be having uh, ministry and, and, and aid and intervention in people's lives, opening doors of ministry for them in due time. And the revelation for us here today that I want to encourage you with is this. Not only can the grace of our Lord turn anyone's life around in service to him, it's equally the anointing of the gospel message that you bear that will break the yoke of every slavery, of all kinds of slavery, and validate the one in whom you serve. No bond can remain in the name of Jesus. And that's something at a time where I try to be, you know, really kind of puffed up and all that stuff. I could say, well, maybe there's just some things that are just too insurmountable. In the logical, you can, you know, arrive at that destination. But when you understand what Paul's saying, that in the name of Jesus, his divine authority, that his, his message is able to break every yoke. When I appreciate that he says to the Romans in chapter 1, verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. And so right back as I begin to close, Right at the beginning of this chapter, he introduces not only his unique calling, the divine nature of his call, but he speaks about the message that he represents. Our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father. Now, when you think of it here today, Following this, there were people all over the face of the earth that were hearing this message. The churches were growing and they were remembering the words of Jesus to the disciples before he departed. And he said, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now go and make disciples. And so if Paul represented this divine authority and call 
Is that not the same of us in regards to the Great Commission? You know, in the next coming weeks, I'm going I'm to wrap just for sake of energy, is we're going to go through the letter, and he, he goes through, and he, he defends this message, and he lays out great ways in which we can tactfully uh, go about sharing the gospel message with people who are contending against you, and those who are trying to agitate people, and stirring up all kinds of trouble. But at the end of the day, what we can take away from this letter, as we remember we're called to the Great Commission, is that the authority that we bear in the name of Jesus. And so, Ron, I'm going to invite you guys to come as we close. This message has encouraged me in my own next steps. The acceptance of a genuine revelation that when you receive revelation that's genuine, you will be unwavering in your next steps. You'll be unwavering and exhibiting true living faith in the midst of obstacles. Because when you think about what he said right at the beginning of the opening introduction, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. The gospel that he preached was rooted in this grace, was rooted in this peace, was rooted in this redemptive work in Christ. This message was not about Paul. This message was not about Paul. When, when we get into next week, we look at his conversion experience and such. He emphasizes with such great humility, this is not about him. He was so unworthy of the call. And yet, God is able to turn around our stories. He's able to work in the, all the intricacies of our life and he's able to turn things around so our life can mean something for the better. What kind of next steps have you been praying about this past week from our time last week together? When you think about these words about you know divine calling, uniqueness of calling, when you leave here today, be encouraged that you are uniquely called. You are uniquely blessed in the Lord. The assignment that he puts on your heart, that which he calls you to individually, he's with you and he's for you. Don't underestimate that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you even in a moment where I'm low on energy myself and wondering, so, so practically here, wondering um, what, what truths are being taken away here this afternoon. Father, I thank you that your spirit is moving, teaches all of us. Father, we thank you for the example of Paul emphasizing uniqueness of the divine call that he received. A man you wouldn't have thought would have been called to such a task to share your gospel to the Gentiles, of which we directly benefit. Father, I thank you that we can glean from his example to be unwavering in the gospel message with living 
faith. Father, we thank you for the fruit in this place, the people that uh, are here and, and so faithfully plug in and desire to not only give their time, Lord, but to learn and to grow by the prompting of your spirit. Father, thank you to continue to grow us, to see maturity flourish within our ranks. Lord, may you be glorified in all that we do, in all that we say. And Father, that we would, like Paul, recognize it from the very moment of conception, even before the womb. Lord, you had us in mind. And all the days of our life were ordained by you, predestined to be in Christ, conformed to his image. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you for this time we've had together. Jesus' name.